Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. We don't want to leave God's presence. We don't want to go anywhere without God's presence. And the question is, what is God showing you today? And what are you seeing in God's presence? And what does He want to do for you in His presence? And so there was a period of time where for 400 years, the world did not hear a sound from God. For 400 years there was silence and people walked blindly in this world and did whatever they thought was good. And then Isaiah the prophet wrote these words, said a voice cries out in the wilderness, preparing the way. And for the first time after 400 years of absolute darkness, after absolute confusion, for the first time, there was a voice. And that voice was preparing the way for something far greater. John said, I baptize in water, but the one who comes after me will baptize in the Holy Spirit, whose shoes I am not even fit to tie. And Jesus appeared, and then John said the following. I just want to read these to you. No one, John 1 verse 18, it said, No one has ever seen God. But... The Son, the unique Son, or the only begotten God. Um, but, but, sorry, no one has ever seen God at any time. And then I put the words, but, the only unique Son who has seen Him, who is in the presence of the Father, He has declared Him, and He has revealed Him, and He has brought Him out where He can be seen. He has interpreted him and he has made him known. And John then said, he is amongst you and you haven't seen him. And I was, the picture I just got of a crowd of people listening to the words of John. And in the middle of the crowd is the very savior of the world, is Jesus Christ himself standing amongst them, shoulder to shoulder. And they couldn't see they couldn't experience him because they weren't expecting him they didn't expect to see him and this morning i just got such a sense that god wants to open up our expectation and our eyes to start seeing him because we live in a world where the kingdom of god has already come and where jesus is already his holy spirit is amongst us in fact, His Holy Spirit amongst us is better than Jesus physically in the flesh amongst us. 
Those are Jesus' words. Jesus said, it is better that I go so that I can leave you the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus stayed in the flesh, if Jesus was still dwelling amongst us in the flesh, we would all still be looking for Jesus in the flesh. And we wouldn't have a real experience of the presence of God. That's why Christians don't have a Mecca where they go once a year on some sort of a holy trip to physically be in one space at the same time. We have the Holy Spirit who lives amongst us. And He is more real than Jesus in the flesh. Does that make sense? Because hear this. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. In other words, before creation, Jesus was at His fullest. And then what was created was created out of His fullness. But God in His grace took that fullness and made it flesh to come dwell amongst us. So can we agree that Jesus in the flesh is inferior to the Word that existed before the world was created? Do we all agree on that? So He gave us His Holy Spirit so that we can start to see Him and we could start to see His kingdom dwelling amongst us. Someone say, that's very good news. In Mark 1, same story. Verse 10, it says, And when He came up out of the water at once, John saw the heavens torn open and the Holy Spirit like a dove enter into him. And as I was reading John and Mark and Matthew, I realized something. That the moment John recognized the Holy Spirit on Jesus, the event wasn't quite like we imagined it. There was a crowd, yes. There were people, yes. But there wasn't a big booming voice that everyone could hear. This is my son, who I am well pleased no, it was only heard by those who were waiting for the Savior. And only heard by those who were expecting Him. John, as he baptized Jesus, saw that dove descending because he was waiting for it and he was expecting it. And he knew that it would be a spiritual moment. It wouldn't be a physical thing. And so there's people that walk the earth and they are as they have they have they are as lost I want to say they are in as much darkness as when God did not speak for 400 years on this earth currently they're walking around and they haven't heard or seen a single piece of God's evidence because they weren't looking for it because they're not expecting it and to them, it's as if they are in the 400 years where God did not say a word. Because they're not expecting it and they're not looking for it. God wants to reveal His glory amongst us. And I had such an expectation and have such an expectation this morning that God will do something in every one of your hearts when it comes to revealing 
His glory when it comes to revealing His nature. So much so that you walk out this door and everywhere you look, you see the glory of God. And you see His presence and you see His powerful nature at work in your life, in your family member's life, in every single person you know as you pray for them and as you expect God to enter into those different circumstances. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what you're experiencing. I don't know what your families are going through. But when you start to expect the presence of God, He shows up. And He comes. And He restores every circumstance. He brings hope. He brings faith. He brings healing. Because we wait for Him and we expect Him and we see Him. Church, let's just say this. I want to see God's glory. <laughs> Yo. I want to see his kingdom come. And we can't live a moment without expecting the presence of God in our lives. We can't, you know, we, we can't expect to go on and see. We can't expect to go on without looking for the presence of God. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> so here's John and he's baptizing Jesus and he sees the spirit descending. In John 1, in, he says, John, the next day, John points out, has to point out again to his disciples, look, there is the Lamb. He had to point it out again. It wasn't something that took place and then everyone recognized and knew that was the Lamb of God in an instant. John had to point him out again the next day. It says John was sitting by the river and he called his disciples. He said, look, there, there is the Lamb. That's the one we've been waiting for. He had a personal experience of the Holy Spirit. So let's go to Isaiah 42, which really is that prophetic word, which was spoken out, and it's becoming real. And how many of you know that prophetic words spoken out back then are as real to us today as they were to John? And so in many of our lives right now, there is a voice that is preparing the way in your darkness. There is a voice that is preparing the way in your wilderness. There is a voice that is pointing to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here in this church, but there is a voice that says there is something coming. It's been here for 2,000 years, but when you look for it and you expect it, it's going to come into your life. And so Psalm Isaiah 42 says, Behold my servant whom I am upheld, my elect in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit on him, and he will bring forth justice and right and reveal truth to the nations. He will not fail or become weak or be crushed and discouraged. He has established justice on the earth. And the islands and the coastlands shall wait hopefully for him and expect his direction and his law. Verse 7 says, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners. Let's go back to verse 6. I have called the Lord. <laughs> I, the Lord, have called you. For a righteous purpose in righteousness, I will give for you a covenant to the people 
to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to another image. Behold, the former things have come to pass. And new things I now declare, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the earth. And then let's go to verse 40, uh, Isaiah 40. And this is the verse, 40 verse 3. Prepare in the wilderness a way of the Lord. Make straight and smooth in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be lifted and every mountain shall be made low. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all flesh shall see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I was so excited. Our children's church team posted their speaking on Lazarus and Lazarus being raised from the dead. And the line above the verse, I think it's in Mark 11, it says the, the power of God was revealed when Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb. Now, yet says all nations will see it. See, all nations will see it when they start expecting to see it. Because whatever God does in the physical isn't powerful enough to transform hearts. Hear me on this. God wants to first tra transform spirits from the inside. So Jesus, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And how many of you know he didn't just rush over there, race over there. As soon as he heard that Lazarus was sick, he, he waited. He took his time. And Lazarus passed away. And then it says Jesus was actually, he, was, he mourned. He cried. He mourned his friend. And he waited and and. Three days later, it says when the maggots were already in the body, <laughs> Jesus got up and said, Lazarus, come forth. And at that moment, you would think that everyone who saw that would be transformed in an instant. But it wasn't. There were Pharisees watching. And when they saw Lazarus transformed, they immediately made plans to kill Jesus. Then they immediately made plans to make Lazarus die again. <laughs> because they were after their own interests. And how many of you know that the presence of God confronts evil, it threatens evil. And when evil sees the presence of God, it squirms. But it can't transform. What, the, what happens in the physical can never, ever transform hearts. So the world is waiting for God. The world is waiting for Jesus to appear again. But they're waiting for the physical signs of it. They're not waiting for their hearts to be transformed, ready to see the glory of God. They don't realize that without 
hearts that are transformed, they will never see the kingdom. They will never see the glory. And yeah, God says, all nations will see. That doesn't mean that because everyone has the internet and YouTube and TV that now all nations will see. It means there is going to be a transformation of every single heart until all nations see. And that includes the church because the church has become dull of hearing and dull of seeing. Even the church has been waiting for physical signs of God instead of waiting and expecting to see the kingdom. And God in His grace has already sent us the entire word in the flesh so that we can see. And today when we look at that, we see His kingdom. And we see His kingdom and we see His kingdom amongst us. And I can't emphasize how important it is to see the kingdom of God everywhere you go. I remember when I suddenly saw it for the first time, it was in 2009, the Holy Spirit just came on me in a meeting and I was totally, totally wrecked. The inside of my spirit was turned upside down and I cried uncontrollably as the Holy Spirit did something in my heart where for the first time I saw the kingdom of God being established on earth. And for the first time, I saw his hand at work. And for the first time, God answered every question I ever had. Because I started to see the kingdom. And I started to see his nature at work in us. And I started to realize that anything else that pulls us from the kingdom is a distraction. But God is a God who brings life, life in abundance, and he brings a sense of the everlasting into our hearts so that we start to see things through the perspective of the everlasting and not through the perspective of temporary. And so the lie that has been spoken into the church is that this world is temporary, that your life is temporary, and it means nothing. And so people have embraced that, and they've embraced the temporary. And so Jesus says, what did you expect to see when you went out into the wilderness to see John the Baptist? What did you expect to see? A reed shaking in the wind? Something that's dry and temporary? Or something that is clothed with fine linen? <laughs> World, what are you expecting to see? Are you looking for what is temporary? Or on the other side, are you looking for false comforts? Jesus says, we gave you what you were looking for. Now he's speaking about him and John the Baptist. We, pray, we played the morning songs that you mourn with. And you said that we are what were his words? I forget now, but he, he's, you rejected us. You didn't listen. You didn't come and mourn. And then we played the wedding song and we feasted. And you said we're gluttonous. <laughs> you rejected both the reed and you rejected the fine linen. 
Because you weren't expecting to see the kingdom. You weren't expecting to see God's presence established in you. Now, I hope this resonates somehow. I hope you can feel what I'm feeling. I'm feeling just a deep desire for us to press into the kingdom. And the kingdom does not reveal itself by what we get in the flesh, by what we receive. What we receive is an outpouring of our expectation in the kingdom. Remember the offering scripture I said is, we don't come empty-handed. Why? Because we've already received everything in the kingdom. And then what flows out of us in the physical is rooted in the kingdom. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. May your kingdom come on earth as it is. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is something powerful about desiring God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And it's seeing the kingdom in every area of our lives. Peter, in 1 Peter, let me just read there quickly. It's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. He says, I'm going to just figure out which verse. I can read all of it. Let's start with I want to start at one and then I realize the one before that is amazing. All right. Peter, Peter's writing. Let's just start with halfway through verse two. May grace and peace be given to you in increasing abundance. One Peter one Verse 2, halfway through. May grace and peace be given you. Just receive that. May grace and peace be given to you. Say, I receive that. <laughs> In increasing measure. All right, so do you receive it once off? <laughs> Is there like a gift of grace and peace and that's it? Some people I know have a birthday on the 25th of December. They get one gift. That's it. (laughs) No, it says may grace and peace. Can I just see how many of you don't want grace and peace to be given to anyone in the room? All right, so when we say this, say amen. Just agree, all right? So may grace and peace. Just, just. Don't, don't just hear the words. Think about what the richness of grace and peace is. Think about your life. Think about what you desire. Isn't what you desire the most, isn't the fullness of fulfillment in experiencing rich grace and rich peace? Imagine waking up in the morning and not being irritated by anything. Come on, imagine waking up in the morning and just floating on clouds through the day. Imagine everything is awesome, like the Lego movie. Some of you need to watch Lego movie. Because that's, that's Peter's prayer, and this is what Jesus came to do. He came to give us grace and peace. 
in increasing abundance. That means that when you walk out of this door, you will have more grace than right now. And tomorrow morning you will have more grace and peace. And it's always increasing. Isaiah prophesied, he said, the, the, the government of peace will rest on his shoulders. And he also said it will forever be increasing. Forever be increasing. So some of you don't look like you're receiving grace and peace right now. I said, may grace and peace increase, and you look at your watch. <laughs> God, may this sermon end. <laughs> no, you've got to see the kingdom. You've got to see it for what it is. Praised be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus. By his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope. Just say ever. Are you guys hearing these words and just realizing what they are? What is ever living hope? What does that look like in your life? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Let's go to verse 9. At the same time you receive the result of your faith. The prophets who prophesied of this grace which was intended for you searched and inquired earnestly about this salvation. Do you see that the prophets prophesied? We're, we're reading Isaiah, which is one of the prophets. They prophesied the very words of John the Baptist because they were earnestly seeking salvation. So they were looking for the kingdom. And when they started looking, they could prophesy and speak words that to this day still have meaning in fact most of the new testament is written with eyes on jesus and reference on the prophecies of isaiah you cannot pull isaiah out of the bible because then the whole new testament doesn't make sense here is jesus and john the baptist and they're literally speaking the words of a prophet that earnestly looked for salvation and saw it. They didn't just repeat the words of Isaiah. Isaiah saw John and he saw Jesus because he was looking for it. So there's a false belief that says Old Testament before salvation, New Testament after salvation, I'm sorry, but the words of Jesus are written in Isaiah, which in a traditional sense has been grouped into an Old Testament, but there's nothing old about the words of Isaiah. Isaiah saw salvation. Because God is the beginning and the end, there is no. Do you make sense? Okay, so the prophets who prophesied, which was intended for who? Say me. <laughs> Isaiah prophesied for who? For you. Come on, just, just realize, Isaiah was sitting in a room. And he prophesied for you. So that you can see 
salvation. The way that he saw salvation. Because he was looking for it. Someone, someone, all right. Verse 22, since by your obedience to the truth through the Holy Spirit, you have purified your hearts for the sincere affection of the brethren. See that you love one another fervently from a pure heart because you have been regenerated, not from a mortal origin, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting Word of God. Your life cannot be transformed by anything that is physical, by anything that is mortal. Your life can only be transformed by that which is immortal, by that which is eternal, so that you can experience the presence of God. But some trust in the physical. Now we say amen in the room here, but now I want to say something to our church, to this church. I'm sorry to the visitors. <laughs> I don't know where you, what you believe, where you come from, but there is no president, there is no governance system, there is no financial system. Whether in this country or outside of this country, there is no political party, you name it that will bring you the peace and the grace you are hoping for. And too many people have put their trust in a president. Too many people have put their trust. And some have said, see, this is the one. This is the one that's going to change the world. This is the one that's going to protect Christianity. This is the one that's going to do this and that. And hope is short-lived. Because God doesn't bring peace and He doesn't bring grace through governments. The governments rest on His peace. <laughs> but peace doesn't come through a government. Peace doesn't come through the physical change that any government can bring or any financial thing can bring or any lotto can provide or any investment or anything physical. All of that is short-lived. There is only one place where you can find peace and there is only one place where you can find grace. And people are falling off the rails now because they've put their hope in what is mortal. I've got friends that were close to me and suddenly they act like enemies because they've put their hope and their peace in things that they shouldn't have. And God says, none of that will ever transform. But one thing will, and that is hope in Jesus Christ. And if you have hope in Jesus Christ, you can submit yourself to any government, under any regime. In fact, Paul demonstrated that. When the Jews wanted to kill him, he immediately appealed to Caesar. That's why he went to prison. How many of you know that part of history? You can read it in Acts. Paul said, I appeal to Caesar. Paul was a Roman citizen. He said, I want to be under Roman law. I don't want the Jews to kill me. And he submitted himself to a civilian law that was persecuting Christians. 
He still submitted himself to that law because he knew his peace and grace comes from a higher source. But he used that government system to prolong his life. Do you get what I'm saying? And so today we have books of the Bible that were written in prison by the very government he appealed to. And if he hadn't appealed to the Roman government, he would have been killed by the Jews and we wouldn't have Philippians and Romans and Galatians and Ephesians. So we've got people that are running around looking for peace in the mortal and they don't realize that their peace and grace comes from what is immortal, which is in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And everything you see around you, even your gray hairs and wrinkles and hourglass shape, was created in the Word. I'm talking about my own hourglass shape, by the way. <laughs> That was all created in the Word. It is a representative of His Word in the flesh. So Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, are you guys still with me? Anyone want to go home yet? Just say, I want to go home. We won't judge you. Isaiah 40.22 says, It is God who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Now don't say amen there. It is He who stretches out the heavens like curtains and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in, who brings dignitaries to nothing, who makes the judges and the rulers of the earth as chaos. Did you hear that? It's God who makes the judges and the rulers of the earth as chaos. If you thought politics was chaotic, it's because God made it chaotic. Not my words, the words of Isaiah. Just say that with me. God makes politics chaotic. Why? Why? So that you don't put your hope in men. So that you don't put your trust in government systems. Doesn't matter how big that government or world order or whatever it is becomes, it will never last forever. Because God always makes it chaotic. Come on. Unless they rest on whose shoulders? Okay. So the only way politics, politics does not become chaotic is when politics rests on, on Jesus' shoulders. With his peace and his grace working from the inside out. So don't put your hope in politics. Don't. And equally so, don't be scared by it. Don't allow fear to come in. Where do you put your hope? 
Oh, you guys sound very excited for that good news. Has anyone ever read that God makes politics chaotic? Anyone? Okay, well, there it is. Verse 24, yes, these politicians are scarcely planted. Scarcely are they sown. Scarcely does their stock take root in the earth when the Lord blows upon them and they wither and the whirlwind or the tempest takes them away. Now, Joshua and Caleb go into where? The promised land. What do they see? All right. What do they call themselves? Grasshoppers. Thanks, Justin. He's the smartest guy in church. All right. <laughs> what, do, what do they call themselves? Grasshoppers. So by calling themselves grasshoppers, what do they agree with? Being a grasshopper. But what is the outcome of that? Their lives will be chaotic. They will not experience grace and peace. When you agree that you are a grasshopper, say, I'm a, don't say I'm a grasshopper. <laughs> All right. When you agree with that, you agree to chaos. You agree to confusion. You agree to darkness. And we do this on a daily basis. What, what do we just read? May grace and peace abound in your life in ever-increasing measure. So when you wake up in the morning, that's what you agree with. But if you pick up your phone first thing in the morning and you're on News 24 and you're wondering what the politicians are doing, you're agreeing with chaos. And you invite it into your home. And you invite it into your belief system. Hello? Okay. So we're going to end. Because it's time to end. But I could go on. We're only getting going. Verse 31 says, But those who... We know this verse well. But you didn't know that politicians in chaos was created by God. But we know Isaiah 40 verse 31 so well. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect and look for and hope in Him, shall change and renew their strength and their power. And they shall lift up their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. I like that, Joy. Run and not be weary. Uh, Bernadine, all the runners in the house. Can we just see how many people are runners in the house? Anyone, yeah? Here we go. We've got four people. There we go. <laughs> sure, okay. There's a book called Everyone Can Run, all right? You guys need to read that book, okay? <laughs> But for me, running has become a spiritual analogy because when you're unfit and you go for a 1K, you get tired and breathless and weary. <laughs> Satan, get behind me. <laughs> <No, just laughs> All right. But if you are patient and 
you don't discount yourself as a grasshopper or a non-runner. All right? The Bible says you will run and not get weary. You will run. <laughs> Emphasis on will, run. <laughs> and not get weary. Can I just see after this message, how many of you are entering into the comrades in two years' time? <laughs> see, it's a heart change. Yeah, here we go. It says, those who wait for the Lord, who expect Him, who hope in Him shall change and renew their strength and their power. That strength and power takes pain away. That strength and power gives you the ability to endure. Remember, grace absorbs impact. Remember that message I spoke about? <laughs> if you weren't in that message, if, if you watch Formula One on a Sunday and you see a driver and they crash into the wall at 300 k's an hour, what happens next? They get out the car, they wave at the crowd, and they go back to the pit lane. That's grace. You and me don't have the same grace in our Golf or Jetta. If you crash at 300 k's an hour, what happens? Glory. Okay? <laughs> Jesus comes early. Okay. <laughs> Okay, no, that's a joke. No accidents in this church, all right. We're talking about grace. We're talking about the ability to absorb impact. Grace and peace doesn't mean you won't experience pain, but it means you're able to absorb it. Do you think Paul was without pain, being shipwrecked and beaten and hungry and with lots and without much and in prison? And yet, every single time he praised God because, yeah, yeah, inside he saw the kingdom. Okay. But then it says the following, you will lift up your wings and mount close to God. Like the, 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 the emphasis on this description isn't on the fact that you will look like an eagle, but on the fact that when you want to soar, you hardly need to even flap. And one of the things, um, Bernadine's brother, was he, he does paragliding. And so when the paragliders paraglide here yeah, along the machalis, if they see an eagle, all the paragliders are like, let's go there. Because they have the ability to see a thermal and the way up far quicker than anyone else in the sky. An eagle can pick up a thermal in an instant. They'll be just flying around, and you know what a thermal is? Anyone? Do we need to do lessons? In? Okay, hot air rising. Okay, and an eagle can feel it in a split second, and without any, any energy exerted, he can actually lift himself up. Isaiah hadn't seen an albatross, but the great wandering albatrosses can actually fly for two years without landing. True story. Because they're so efficient on the wing. They're so able to use thermals and currents and their wing design. And so God wants to lift us up in the same way. 
But that means we take our eyes off of chaos in verse 21 so that we can experience His presence in verse 31 of Isaiah 40 because we're waiting. And I want to say the following. When the pawpaw hits the fan, don't be in a hurry. So many people trap themselves and get into stress and anxiousness because they try and fix something that isn't theirs to fix yet. And it says those who wait will rise up. And we've got to invite the Holy Spirit to fix every situation. We've got to invite His presence to bring increasing grace and increasing peace into every area of our lives. Was that good? Did you receive something this morning about His presence? Awesome. Let's just seal the deal. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.